Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode, see I always spike it right at the start, I get a little too excited, episode uh, 201, Galen Trombley Show, uh, returning guest, this is his third time I believe, third? yes, third, Danny Valenzuela, I actually just found out, I feel like he told me this, but I don't <laughs> think I knew it was this exact position, um, he is the high school principal for Plattsburgh City School District, yes, and I thought for some reason you were at Stafford, which is the middle school, you said you were not, you were at the high school, uh, always a good time when you come on. This is the what, when was the first time you came on? I, I want to say nineteen, twenty eighteen, nineteen ish around. It was there. it was fairly early. Yeah, I had just moved to Plattsburgh in twenty sixteen of September twenty sixteen, and I would say like a year and a half after that. It, it doesn't seem like it's been that long though. No, it doesn't. Because like I said, and the funny fact is like. This is what, 201? Like, I'll be like, hey, you were just on like 20 episodes ago. And I look back and it was like 78 episodes ago. It was like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which is like one a week. So it really drags it out. But so since you've been on the podcast, what's what's changed in your life? What's different? What's new, exciting? The biggest change is being the high school principal for Blasburg City School District. Well, well you, you, came, you came rolling in and I'm like, this is like, you're deep in the prep right now because it's coming soon. Yes, I'm stressed. It was hard to leave, and I will be going back after this. I just have a lot to do. <laughs> okay, so so what so like what what's it look like right now as a principal running a school going into a start of a school year, which starts what on the is it eighth ninth of this year? September first for all of the faculty and staff, and then September sixth for students. Okay. Um, summer is always historically, and I think people, if you're not in education, don't really realize this but um summer is the busiest time of years for administrators um as a teacher like i never was the one to get summers off i always worked over the summers just because i had bills to pay and you know when you're just starting out teaching very green you know you have to work your way up a little to make money to kind of you know and so i never took summers off and i wish that i did but i just was never that type um and then going into administration it you know i'm working year round so it hasn't changed um, but it's a lot for me right now. It is a lot. It's a little overwhelming, but I still have a lot of excitement and energy at the same time, which is helping to balance out the stress. So when you talk about busiest, is, it, is this just because nobody's really at the school and it just gives you time to just really focus on like things you want to implement, things you want to improve on? Yeah, it's like all the prep work behind the scenes that you don't really see. And there's so many layers to it. And like, I'm super excited to be at the high school now because for so many years, I was just in a different population in a different situation and in special education for many, many years and will forever be near and dear to my heart. But I always felt like I could do more. I always felt like I have, you know, I want to see what I can do in a more traditional setting more regular ed setting and 
you know, knowing my personality, my energy, and just always had that confidence in the way that I have my interpersonal skills, I guess you can say. And um, so now I have the opportunity. And so on top of planning the logistics and getting enrollments, getting numbers, the master schedule is what happens a lot over the summer. And this is my first time dealing with the master schedule, especially at a high school um, and of all the schools in the area, Plattsburgh High School. Um, and it's one of the biggest puzzle pieces I have ever lived through, ever. And it's just a lot of moving parts. And so there's just a lot of work that many folks don't really see um, that is crucial in the summer. So it's a matter of finding time to you know, get all that stuff done, but also still trying to s- squeeze in some time to enjoy your summer because, you know, I too need to have some time to recharge. And so finding that balance. When you talk about uh, the uh, labyrinth that is a scheduling, master schedule, do you, how many people are working on that roughly? Um, you got like guidance counselors? I have and- my guidance team and, you know, every leader is different. And so every leader runs things differently. And so I'm picking off off of a different um, dynamic and I'm coming on board at a really good time, I feel. And uh, so I'm trying different things. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, with it being my first time, I'm taking advantage of trying different things in an effort to see if things that we try will make things a little bit easier, smoother, more effective, and most importantly, better for students. So... I have a small team. I have a mentor who's helping me right now this summer with just the learning pieces mm-hmm. of getting a master schedule together, which has been very beneficial. I don't know what I'd be doing if that if that person wasn't with me helping me out. Um, so that way, th- this time next year, I'll be in a much different spot and a better, you know, I'm able to connect the dots uh, much better um, with that help, and I'll be in a better spot next year. I was gonna say the fir- first year you do anything is is always t- is daunting, but it's like you said, it's like learning, it's like crawling before you can walk, and it's really not that hard of a puzzle. Like next year, you're gonna be like, this is because you you know it. Like the first year is tough because yeah. you're trying to connect everything, and it's all foreign to you. And the one thing I always look at with masters, I mean, I went to a much smaller school, and I would look at it. I'm like, how do you logistically put all the pieces in? Because kids need certain. They need mm-hmm. certain things to graduate, and so you're looking at it like, well, they can't take all these free courses because at the same time as their science, or same time as their, you know, uh, literature, whatever the the topics are, the subjects, um, and it always just seem like a massive puzzle piece. There's only so many periods a day. There's only so much. Do you yep. guys do semesters or or is it? We do a fall and spring semester with quarters one and two in the fall, quarters three and four in the spring. Different classes. Uh, for semester one and two. You'll see many schools have different classes depending on the grade level. Is is that is that a new concept or has that been around for a while? That's been around since I was in school. When was we it? was in school, yeah. We went to, like when we went. Um, so I went to Shazy, much smaller school. We never had we had semesters for a couple a couple classes, but there was plenty of most of my main courses were all year long. So we would take like history. Say you took like U.S. history, you would take it from September all the way to the Regents in June. But you would take out the entire year where I know they have like uh, January regents. Mm-hmm. And we, we never, that so, never happened. Uh, your core classes and a majority of classes will be year round. But then you have certain things like when you're a senior, oftentimes you'll take like participation in government and economics. So mm-hmm. those are like half year courses okay. that would maybe like switch. So I did like a psychology and sociology, which were half, half courses my senior year. So it's similar yeah. to that, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So the core, the core ones, like my wife went to Seton, and Seton always did court or uh, semesters. 
Yeah. So they would always take the, they'd have a Regents in January and then one in June, which to me makes more sense because it's a condensed, it's more, it's, it's more, uh, uh, what's it called? Like focus for a few months and then you're done. So you don't mm-hmm. have to kind of drag it on for whatever it is, eight months, nine months of actually having to remember the stuff you learned back in the fall, which I always found was difficult because when you start to go retouch base on it, it's like, oh man, I'm now I'm relearning, you know. American Revolution, and we just got done talking about the 1950s, yeah. 1960s, you know, civil rights or something. It's like, how do you take an extra 200 years and blend it all? Because one's yeah. like very fresh, and one's yeah. eight months kind of stale in the mind. So that was always um, that I always found was tricky with with um, like standardized testing, yeah. like AP courses, and it's like, okay, now I got to memorize. That's a whole nother episode to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so so it just it just seems it seems tough. But what what's the most stressful part? Do you find going into this year? Because this is your first solo year as principal. This is my first solo year as principal. Even in my principalships before, I always had this like co-principal model. And when I first came to Plattsburgh in the middle of last year in December, I walked into a co-principal model. And I did that on purpose because I was transitioning from special education for a really long time and getting back into more regular education, traditional ed. And I wanted that co to help me with the learning curve. And I've this will be my first time going solo. But at the same time, this is what I've always worked for. Like I've always wanted to do this. And so I finally have it. And there's some problem solving things that I'm navigating right now that, but it comes with the job. Like it always happens. I'm used to that things, you know, there's always some things and kinks that come up that you have to kind of troubleshoot and problem solve. And we all know how education is right now with the shortages and like everybody feels it in their own way. And, you know, we in this region feel it too. And so you're trying to navigate those things, but I've always wanted this and I'm super excited and I'm very grateful to have it. And I feel like I'm coming on board at the right time. And I'm, I just have a really good feeling and I'm really excited for what's to come. I remember when you first came on again, whatever it was, three, four, three, four years ago. <laughs> and uh, I remember that was one thing you talked about originally was just like, I know I can do something more. Like I know I can do something bigger, impact more people. Yeah. Um, and I think that was something that you haven't swayed from since I talked to you. Not any, any conversation. It's always been like, you can sell your mindset is is on a, a grander vision or a, a, a you know years down the road kind of plan. So. I I I'm always been like that because people like education is a hard field, and I may have said something similar before, but it's really tough work, and it's you know it's it's not respected enough, in my opinion, um, and it's so easy to get caught up in the negative things in anything really even outside of education but you can get bogged down by all the things in like the system because the system is flawed you know and you're you're trying to work really hard to ensure that you're doing everything for the best interests of your students but also your teachers because you need to have a good team and good morale in order to do that and the pandemic has just highlighted things that probably were already underlying before but i'm also really you know, a huge advocate that, you know, when you know your why and you know your reasons, you make an impact. And if you know what your why is, you'll be able to, it helps to get you through those dark days. How, if you had to put a percentage on, let's just say, let's say the control you have in a day-to-day situation, what percentage do you think is in a box? And what do you think is outside of a box? And what I mean by box, meaning like regulation, state, re- state regulations or anything that you are almost being told to do versus you wanting to do something. 
Um, depends on the season, I guess you can say. It depends on the district. So if you're working in the district and there's certain initiatives, like I'm walking into Plattsburgh City School District and there's certain things that they're working on, which I'm in full support and wanting to help, you know, drive and lead on. Um, but there's things from the state that come that sometimes you just get frustrated, but and then there are things that come that are great, but then you just have to figure out how to get to that end goal, which is challenging depending on what it is. Um, and then, you know, some things like like walking in here, I was super nervous. I just posted something on this new platform. Jen just brought it up. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to be received. I, uh, you know, but I'm just trying something new and trying to just, you know, of the things that I can control over, and if I can get creative, I'm gonna be creative, you know, because that's why many of us go to teaching is you have a sense of creativity, you know, and, you know, unfortunately the system has created a sense where you may feel like you're not able to be creative, but you still have your moments where you can be creative and you have to find it, you know, I'm a music kid at heart, so anytime I have a moment to be creative, even if it's just a little video on my phone, I'm going to take advantage of it and, and learn from the technology stuff that we've all lived through post-COVID and use it to our advantage and, and find ways to ultimately impact. You know, you have to make an impact, good or bad, and I'm trying to make as much of a positive impact as possible. So, so the video you just posted, was that going up to teachers or, or students? That or? was my first introductory video for parents. Okay. I was like, okay, we got this new system uh i just did a little informal video for my team for my teachers and things like that and you know just i've just been really stressed i've been bogged down i'm just i'm working really hard i'm staying at work multiple days till like seven o'clock at night and just going home repeat and you know i just felt like at the time when i posted it for the teachers it was just like a i called it an informal hello like it's not a formal like hey this is blah 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 blah, blah but it's just like hey hope everyone's doing good this is what's happening this is what's going on we're problem solving some things but just know working really really hard to get this to you because i think it's important to still communicate when you're in leadership like you have to still communicate even if things are not in place you it's important for people to just know where you're at and sometimes just be real with it and I'm very much like that. I think that's the Long Island in me and growing up in the city, being Dominican and and having that, you know, cultural perspective. But, um, you know, I'm a New Yorker at heart. And so I tend to be as real as I can. And so I'm, I tried something similar with the parents today. Um, and the clock is ticking. So I didn't have a lot of time, but I was like, I really need to get this out today. But I'm just going to record a little just, hey, I'm Mr. Valenzuela. This is me. Many of you know me because I, you know, we made a shift. We went from two principals, co-principals, to now one. And I don't know if everybody knows that. So that's the first thing I needed to introduce myself. Like, I am the principal and we made a transition. This is what it's looking like. Um, be mindful of, you know, this is a platform where you're going to get more information. Like, I didn't really go into too much detail, but just sending it out to the masses, to the parents for the first time makes me a little nervous. Let's just say a thousand people or so. Makes me a little nervous because, you know, Parents have voices. <laughs> well, well, did, did you, was it a one take kind of thing? I did three takes and then I looked at the clock and the clock was ticking. So I had to like kind of work through and I hate to rush those yeah. type of things, but I have a lot of other things I have to like, finish up. So I just needed to get that out. And what I find 
the less polished and the less takes and is like the less refined, the more um, connectivity you have to it. Cause it's yeah. like, it's true. It's like as raw as you can get, like, yeah. I'm just going to say it, you know, you stumble, you stutter, you misspeak. It doesn't matter. You just roll with it and you send it. And people are like, Oh, I like that guy. Cause he sounds authentic versus yep. something that's a little too like scripted. And I didn't want it to be too scripted. I didn't want it to be rehearsed because strategically I'm trying to let the commute, the Plattsburgh, community the phs community get a little bit of an idea of my personality as well and i feel like those little subtle things can do that if done well and i hope to do that well it's the same and what you're saying now obviously i love because i come from more from like the, the the business background but it's all the same thing it's like you're establishing whether you want to call it a brand identity whatever it is you're establishing something out there and I've always found that the more realistic you are, and the more you put yourself, the more authentic, authentic you are. Um, you're, uh, let's say, let's say, putting off an authentic self, mm-hmm. that the right people will align with you and like you. And obviously, you're in a different situation because people can choose just not to go like work with me, which is totally fine. At school, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I have really no choice. I live in the district, therefore, they have to, for the most part, have to go to your school. But I do find by putting yourself out there in a more authentic good way meaning like the i always talk about intent but your intent's good your intent is hey i'm I'm, I'm doing my best i'm trying to like do this for your kids that i think that parents will look at that and have a connection to you and like bring out some music you know have fun with it i think the more you put your personality out there it's not just this administrator it's like actually this is a really cool community member therefore like we want to make sure because if they have the respect this is what i look at if they have the respect of you and i think this is a something that we're seeing nowadays that didn't happen in the past was, you know, I find that when I was a kid, like I was definitely like respected of teachers and, and, um, it was almost one, like you didn't want to go home and tell mom and dad you got in trouble yeah. because they'd be more mad at you than the teachers were. Now I find that it's almost the flip side. Like you tell your parents, your parents like jump on the teacher as like the teacher's the problem, not my kid. And I'm like, well, your kid's also an adolescent they're, they make mistakes and it's just human nature. That's what they're going to do. But their first instinct is saying, well, they're only, only a problem because Mr. Valenzuela is a problem. It's like, well, no, that's probably not the case. He's got a job to do. And I think that you bridging that gap going right to the source of the parents, which have influence on the kids at home, which are therefore going to go bring it to school. It's this perfect, like, you know, uh, uh, one hand feeds the other kind of thing. Like, yeah. I'm going to do well for you. You're going to do well for me. And we're going to keep this whole thing moving forward in a very synergistic way. And I think if they can relate to you and you're not just a name on a sheet meaning like yeah. sign mr valenzuela but you have a personality behind you your voice your, your physical appearance but also your voice your personality doesn't come out in the physical appearance it comes out in the person or the, uh, the the voice same thing we do with marketing like yeah you're better off doing a video or something audio than you are with just putting a picture out because then people can they can resonate that they can hear my demeanor they can hear my uh my tonality and things like that but i think people are going to look at them like hey even if i have a problem be like Hey, I want to bring this up to you, but man, that video you did with you playing the music was cool. Like the, yeah. that's actually going to happen and that's going to be kind of cool. Cause you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. Those people were nice. <laughs> uh, and I'm excited for those things because we're in the business of people. And I think people forget that. Like mm-hmm. the, we get so bogged down and you know, on the things and this and analyzing data and this, this and that, but we also have to remember we're in the business of, people and we still have to have this humane type of perspective and i think that gets lost when you know stress is high um you know and 
just the system in general can be really challenging for education. And I'm, it's the same in others. I'm sure the medical field and all that other stuff, you know. But um, when you're in the business of people, you have to remind yourself of like how to do that. And I'm very big on making sure you're trying to address people with that intention. You know, I'm, you know, I'm serving the district. I'm serving the parents, you know. And it has to be a cohesive relationship and it has to work both ways. There are certain things that are expected with me and my role and what I need in order to maintain a safe, orderly environment within the school, but also a inviting a community type of environment. And then, you know, treat people, even down to my teachers, to students, to the staff, to the monitors, to, to the bus drivers, to, you know, everyone working if you just try to interact with the intention of just having those humane bases like that's what we are and that's what we need even if it's information that you're delivering that's not good it can still be done in a way that's still mindful that you're treating that person as a human being so that they can receive it in a way that's not creating conflict that's not creating contentiousness that's creating ultimately an environment where you can discuss things do things in the best interest for your for the students for your kid but just in general so that these you know times are different kids are different kids are very different they're more in tune to things than they've ever been before whether we like it or not right and so we have to try to meet that and address that in a way and also hold each other accountable and hold some of our um visions that we want to see pull through accountable to do that but I'm just really big on just trying to treat people like people and be kind you know it's not a matter of being soft and that's people say that all the time. it's not about being soft it's I'm being smart with where I put my energy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put my energy in a way that's going to continue. I can be firm. I, I know when to be firm, but I'm going to do it in a way that is appropriate and not going to ruin a, you know, situation or culture. Well, there's, there's, I'll, I'll grab this book off the shelf for you and I'll, I'll read it. But the idea between, um, soft and strong soft being more like eq like how to resonate with someone like from an emotional standpoint where they're called soft skills like hard skills are different soft skills are ones mm-hmm. that you really can't put a metric on or they're, they're kind of like intangibles that you have but it's like reading people it's understanding situations it's understanding um you know the, your audience basically like whether it's a person one person or, or a group of people like understanding who you're speaking to um and a lot of it has to come back come back to me it's like awareness but it's also you have to, like, you have to understand if someone's like coming at you at a certain way. Like your first, like my thought always is if you say something to me that I disagree with, I instantly my first thought is it's not a direct attack on me. Not that say it's malicious, but maybe I say something mm-hmm. and you're like, no, you're wrong, blah blah blah. I first look at it like, hmm, am I wrong? I always like this. This is like, and this whole process takes place in milliseconds. <laughs> I'm like, am I wrong? Because I don't want to jump at you and say you're wrong if I am wrong, if that makes sense. Like, I want to make sure, like, wait, 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 let me double check. Danny doesn't think I'm right. Am I missing something? Like, am I missing something? Then I'm like, is he missing something? Like, you know what I mean? We might not have the same input. So, or meaning like whatever, or my, my, uh, my experiences and your experiences are just different. Maybe I'm coming from a place with more information or coming from a place with less information or vice versa with you. So my first instinct is not like Danny's wrong or Danny's, you know, this bad person. It's in my first off is Galen missing something like, Hmm, I don't, 
I think I'm right. Okay, is he missing something or does he not come from the same context? Maybe I have to explain something different or give him some different input that would make you think, like, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, one mm-hmm. of the, and that happens all the time. Yeah. And then if it gets to the point that I know, say I know I'm correct, I know you're missing something, I try to tell you something, I don't do it attackingly. I'm just like, hey, FYI or here, just I want to help you. I want to get this information so we're on the same wavelength and now let's talk about it. And I think by doing that and not coming from a place of conflict, like I, in my business, if I see something that's like where I could just say like, no, you're wrong, like I'll pick up the phone and call somebody because it's not, it's just more of like, hey, I just want to have a discussion. Like I'm not mad. You're not, I just don't want to text you. Yeah. All of a sudden you think you're thinking the yeah. worst case and I'm like, it's really not that bad of a situation. Like, I, you know, so I think that it's tough, but those soft skills can bridge the gap and can also diffuse a lot of bad situations. Mm-hmm. And it's not that like, Oh, he doesn't care for confrontation. I don't like confrontation. I don't think very little people like confrontation, like yeah. actually like want to have confrontation, but I think it's how you deal with it. And I think it's how you go about it. And most of the time I find that if you come from a place of like, let's try to work together and come out with a solution. I find that that can alleviate a lot of problems. I find the only negative is sometimes you get taken advantage of, which happens. But I yeah. think you also have to be aware of that and then you have to draw the line and, and put your foot in the and sand. And that's why I'm ready to be at Plattsburgh now. I wasn't ready to to get to that type of spot, that type of position before because I needed to learn a lot of those things that you just said. Um, but I'm ready to be at a school like Plattsburgh now. If you'd have asked me when I first met you, I, looking back, I wasn't ready because I needed to finesse my way of thinking and maneuvering and, and doing with some of those skills. So that way, when those moments were come, I would be able to handle them in a way that is good quality interactions with people that you know resolve things or at least you know put things in place that work best for the students and so now i feel like i'm ready to do that which is why i decided to put myself out there to try to make a switch so did did you think a couple years ago did you have are you talking about this did you have the soft skills necessary do you think that those weren't i had the soft skills necessary but i had to learn about myself and how i was with them I had to learn how not to be taken advantage. And the reason how how I learned that was by being taken advantage of. Yeah. By being taken advantage of in the some previous situations that I was in is what taught me, oh, I have to be mindful of this next and so that that doesn't happen again. You know, I'm able to move forward from situations like that because, one, you have to professionally. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I also learned how to regulate my own self when those type of things happen. You know, I learned, you know, emotions in the workplace are so not good. When you're overly emotional in the workplace, I don't care where you work, what your role is, what field of work it is, it's not good. So you have to learn how to regulate that self, that part of yourself in order to not let your emotions kind of get in the way and for me i had to learn how to not be taken advantage of by being taken advantage of i had to learn how to strengthen my skill set you know to get to a larger capacity like there's a lot of kids in this for this area there's a lot of kids at the plastic city school district and there's a level of diversity there that is much different in my opinion um than some of the other schools and that's what drew me to even wanting to apply um 
And it was a tough decision for me at the time, but I just, you know, when you kind of know, mm-hmm. you just kind of feel it. And yeah. I just kind of felt like w- what I was doing, I kind of capped with what I was doing, what I wanted to do. I needed to learn more of some of these things. And now I'm in it. And there's a lot more that I need to know that I didn't realize that I was not familiar with um, just because of what I was pigeonholed and doing before. But I'm ready to do that now where I was not ready to do it before. Do you find it's like uh, like skydiving? It, like Almost like you were like at the edge of the plane with a parachute and you're like, well, I could just go sit back down. Yeah. But someone like nudged you over <laughs> and then you just do this free fall where it's like you said, you kind of like it's scary. But everybody that's ever done, no, I don't want to skydive. But I'm saying if it's scary, no, I don't either. <laughs> but, but everybody that's done it says it's fantastic and wants to go back and do it again. Yeah. So it's almost like I feel like you're like at you were at the edge of the plane, like like I, I really want to do it, but I'm like I'm scared. But everybody says it's great, and then as you're free falling down, you're leaving that initial scream phase. Yeah. Like, ah, like yeah. you're just flying down. Whatever the the rate, I know there's an actual rate of how you drop, yeah. but like you're going fast, and then all of a sudden like. You're to the point now where you're like, okay, well, actually, I'm falling, but it's fast, but it's not that bad. I can, I, I can yeah. do this. I can do this. Yeah. You know, is it? You feel it's kind of like that. Like you're on the free fall, but in a good way, meaning like you're regulating. Like, oh, I can, I can, I can handle I, this. It's out of the comfort zone, but I feel like it's all good. I, I, I wouldn't say I got pushed off the ledge to jump. I finally had the courage to jump. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. I finally had the courage to jump, and I'm so grateful that i did um it just it's hard to explain but it just feels right yeah even when like things that are happening are there's so much work and i'm just like the you know i don't have any hair but the little hair i joke the little hair that i have is literally (laughs) about to go um because there's some stressful situations still but it just feels right and when it just feels right that's you know you just have to lean into that I, i call it blind faith like at some point, at times, like I've done this in work, like I don't know if it's going to work, but I just have a, some blind faith that it will work and I'm just going to go. And it's like usually gut instincts. Like, yeah. let's just try it. And it could totally fail. And, but I found that majority of the time, like I've had failures with that gut, yeah. gut instinct, but it's very rare. And typically failures are very surface level. And at the, when you go deeper, they're actually very big wins. Cause you, like you yeah. said, you learn how to deal with something. You learn what not to do. It's like putting your hand on a, on a, you know, hot stove as a kid. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I took the jump. And I'm like, okay, I, like maybe I'm not physically touching a hot stove, but metaphorically I am. And like, okay, yeah. that didn't work. Let me go down the other path. And I found that you're always, as long as you're trying to get better every single day, the only way you're going to get better is through failure, which is mm-hmm. you have to try something to figure out you don't like it or you're not good at it or yeah. you have to get better at something. And, um, and I think it's all just, it's really the mindset behind it. So like 1000%. Yeah. Like I don't think you're ever going to fail. It's just like, okay, maybe I didn't yeah. succeed. It's like, it's almost like a throwing a perfect game in baseball. Like you're going to have some hits in there. Yeah. You could win the game, but you're yeah. still going to probably give up a couple hits here and there. Yeah. And that's what I feel like success is. It's like, you'll give up a run, but like, as long as you're winning at the end of the game. Yeah. I'm like, I always, asp- like I'm super excited. Cause it's like, I'm getting an inch closer to something I've always wanted to do. Cause I always felt like, I say I can do it, but that's not really what it is. It's like creating an environment in a space where I can get a, a, a building, the school, the teachers, the students, like all of us to feel like we can do the damn thing. And like we can really be a really good 
create a good environment for school. And that's why I feel like I'm coming on board at a really good time because it's been a rough couple of years, especially with the pandemic. And it's for all schools. So I think me coming on board at the time that I'm coming on board and the perspective that I bring to the table, not only with just my special education background, but just perspective as a person, you know, I'm an openly gay Latino from the Dominican Republic who was born and raised in New York down on Long Island, spend a lot of time in the Bronx, and I'm living in the North Country, and I've learned to love the North Country. And I think all of those experiences add value to a perspective that I bring to the table that many may not have seen before or may think of. And, you know, I just just to have the opportunity to have a seat at the table for me in itself is huge, you know? And now, you know, I just, I just want to be this conduit that just creates this energy and space to make people feel excited to be where they're at. I want people to feel excited to be at Plattsburgh High School. I want people to feel excited to bring their kids to school. I want even on those really tough days or even those kids that just are going through a moment or having a tough time that they're still feeling a sense of community and excitement to be at school. And so like that's always like my foundational pieces that I keep saying in my head Like when I was struggling to leave today because I have all these other things. I've got freshman orientation or first year orientation tomorrow and trying to get things ready and things like that. But like that's at the core of what I'm doing. But I had to go through all those things when we were talking before Mm -hmm. in order for me to finally get to the point where I can have the courage to jump and fall and feel like I'm ready to take this on and have confidence really to lead people in that direction you know it's funny i had a this my my kids have a book um and they get this thing every year it's through uh do you know the imagination library from dolly parton Mm -hmm. so they give basically Mm -hmm. they gift books and and uh i'm gonna plug uh the um it's it's the literacy volunteers um they're out of plattsburgh uh they actually work in in the basement of hawkins hall but they're kind of a tri-county uh, actually, Quad County. I think they, they deal with Hamilton County, too. But Essex, Franklin, and Clinton County. And basically, the program with Dolly Parton is from basically birth, I think, up until five. You yep. get a book every single month that's per that kid's age. And they get it directly to their door. My kids love it. They see their name nice. on the bind, on the uh, on the mailing and uh, or the, the address. And they're pumped. We always end up reading them. There's some really good books. Well, one of the books, I, for, I think it's called first day jitters or something like that and yeah. it's an animal book and all these kids go to school and they're all nervous like yeah. snakes like i can't pack he has no arms He's like i can't pack my bag i'm not and you know the elephants like i'm not gonna i'm gonna forget stuff the sloths like i'm not gonna make it to school on time all these things like rat or uh, one of them's like i i i can't see the chalkboard i'm a little mole i can't see that like all these like things that you take with an animal they go to school so they're all sitting down and this ball rolls into the classroom like what's that rock why is that rock here what's an armadillo and he's all wrapped up and it pops out and he's like hey i'm mr like sherwood or something like that and he starts talking and he goes i apologize he goes i'm actually just a little nervous and all the kids are like wait you're nervous we're nervous because yeah. they're all like they built up this moment and i think the fun the, the what you just said is the teacher in that book flat out from the start says i'm nervous and and what happened was they added a level of um connection to the teacher and yeah. added in a level of uh um a little more personal level of like wait i can 
I can relate to him. He's nervous. Yeah. I'm nervous. We're all nervous. So yeah. let's help each other out. And then the next page is like, Hey, Mr. Short, I got a great memory. I'll help you out. And the other one's like, I'll hold the chalk for you. I'll do this. Like, and I've got a good way to memorize names and all this stuff. And it was a, it's a really cute book. Obviously kids books, you can find a lot of underlying yeah, themes. That's awesome. But that's what it reminded me of. Like, Hey, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm like my first year is your first year, but it's my first year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we'll be good. We'll figure it out together. Yes. I've been saying that a lot. And you know, I'm trying to, you know, just everything that I've learned previously, trying to apply it to what I'm in right now and, you know, just trying to reestablish relationships with the people that I'm working with now. Um, so I can support them, you know, but not only support them, like my, you know, challenge them little by little because, you know, we got to keep growing. We got to keep learning and, I'm not going to challenge you in a way that makes you too uncomfortable, but I'm just going to nudge you here and there when, you know, because that's how I'm going to force you to grow. That's always something I'm passionate about. And just relationships, you know, just as much with the kiddos. I'm in just trying to really focus on that now. And there's so much more to the job and I'm learning on a whole nother level than what I was doing before. But if I can just hold on to some of those things that I mentioned as my foundation, it'll be golden. Yeah, and you're playing in that out of the comfort zone area, yeah. which is where the growth happens. The uh, the book I wanted to bring up, uh, you've read this book? No, So, but I know him. Yeah, Gary. Yep. So this book by Gary Vaynerchuk, I've been following Gary for many, many years now. You told me last time and I started following him after that. Really? Yeah. yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, He's uh, awesome. 2011, I started following him like, long, like yeah. over 10 years ago now. And um, he just came out with this book called 12 and a Half and it said, Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. And he talks about the 12 soft skills and basically uh i think of business as an art i think it can be as beautiful as a symphony or, or a painting when executed properly for it has to or for it to ever have that place in society we must realize how the 12 and a half emotional ingredients in this book can be the catalyst for success in business so it's gratitude self-awareness accountability optimism empathy kindness tenacity curiosity patience conviction humility ambition and kind candor so like if you add like if you add all those up like i think that's a lot of what you were talking about and then yeah. like how they apply how they uh you know relate to the, it's basically skills that people don't have but he, like one of the things he always talks about is having like a honey empire so yeah. like you have honey and vinegar kind of thing he's like we're gonna build the biggest empire by being nice being kind like honey like yeah they, but you know still get our work done but just come from a place of like really try to build each other up and kind of raise each other and help each other out and, and work as a collective team. Um, so I think it's kind of cool because when you look at Gary, he's not a, he's not like someone that you look at as like a leadership kind of guy. Yeah. But when you start to deal with it, like he does, he is a massive leader for so many. And then he's kind of like, well, this is how I did it. And this just comes really natural to me. And I've just played to my strengths. But yeah. he's finding that this is actually like, hmm, th I might be onto something. So I like that. So it's kind of a cool thing. It gets you like a little mind, different thinking because a lot of, um, like I, I was looking at a lot of leadership stuff earlier in the year, like books and things like that. And you people all have different ways of doing it. Um, but I think Gary's is definitely more on the soft side. Yeah. Where, you know, he, he can be loud and in your face, but I think it's always from a place of with these at the core, which I think is like you were saying, like I can be firm, but it's always coming from a place of, of good, good intent, yeah. trying to help you yeah. out some type of thing. So. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So it's cool. But so who's some of like, let's say your leadership um, role models? My leadership role models, I have some great mentors in my life. Um, 
I'm a firm believer in mentorship and taking advantage of, you know, being responsible for finding those mentors and doing the work to maintain those mentorships. And the perk is you become friends, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a bonus. So I have some really good mentors. Um, and then people that leadership, people that I follow, um, I'm one guy I've gotten to meet. Um, I met him a few years ago and he watching him present just was like, you know, I had gotten a dabble in presenting and when I saw him come up here for a, a, it was a couple of years ago now, um, he did it for all the administrators in the region. And it was just some basic fundamental things that you all kind of know, but just need, you know, hearing it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But his name is Andrew Murata, and he does a lot of speaking. Um, and he, you know, it was one of those where I like went up to him afterwards. I was like, I need to ask you a question how do I get to doing what you're doing? You know, the way that you brand yourself, the way that you, you know, your speaking engagements, he has a book out and, you know, and those type of things. I aspire to do those things as well. Um, And, you know, since then, we've just kind of become informal friends. You know, I'll see him at a conference. We connect, you know, he will, we text every once in a while, just checking in, see how you're doing. Um, And then I follow some people on, Twitter. Um, I follow some really cool teachers um, that I like how they speak and how they use their platform to engage in that that public speaking, because that's something I aspire to do myself. Um, and although I'm almost 35 and I'm not where I want to be with that yet, I continue to make progress to that. And so one, of his, one guy, his name is Michael Boner. He's a a teacher from the Carolinas, I believe. And uh, I just follow him on Twitter and I just like his MO. I like his way of messaging. He's a teacher, he's an elementary school teacher, but the way he presents his information to teachers and talks about discipline and things like that, I just really like how he presents himself and you know, he's living it so he can back up what he's saying. And that's what I'm aspiring to be. Um, and then... I watch a bunch of like random things, you know, online. Um, I'll see some snippets from Gary, actually. Like I'll follow his Instagram and sometimes some of his talks that he has to these teenagers or young adolescents, like um, even kids in their 20s. Like I, one of the common things I've seen of him is just like, it's never too late, you know? Yeah. You know, it's never too late. But think of, you know, so I'll, you know, I'll pay attention to things like that. Um but yeah, that's I kind of have a mix. I have a lot of good local people that I mentor and befriended some people online. Um, one guy I started to know, um, his name is Andy Jacks. I bought his book. It's called Discipline Win. Um, he's someone I met on Twitter and just followed him. And I purchased his book. I reached out to him just to say, hey, and he responded back, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but he's a principal, big speaker. But I liked his book, Discipline Win because it was a very digestible book on how, because discipline's a hot topic in schools, you know. We need to discipline our kids, we need this. And then, so you want to try to have, like, have this balance. And I like what his book really shared, just simple strategies to just engage teachers, to just, 
you know, think and address and how you look at discipline and, and what are the appropriate consequences and but not only the discipline things, but what are we doing to get to the root of the things to try to make it better mm-hmm. for the long term, not the short term. Um, so he has some really cool resources on his website. I've got his book and I'll take a look at that. You know, I was browsing some of it before for just like even just simple meeting check-ins, like check-in formats. He got free resources and stuff like that that I'll pay attention to. Um, well, I think that's, I don't, I don't know how it is in your, like your line of work, but how many like what percentage do you think of of education professionals would be taking it upon themselves to learn more? Is there a, do you find there's a lot, or do you find that it's more like they'll do it if being told to do it? Or um... I think that there's I think all educators, you know, we all go into it for similar reasons, you know. Um, it's just my my thoughts, my personal opinions. But um, I feel like they naturally you'll do that, you know. But it's finding the balance and time to do that because there's so much to do, you know. Um, and in high school, like in elementary, as an elementary teacher, I only had to worry about my 20 plus, maybe 30 kids. And then in what I was doing before, because it was super specialized instruction for kids with high needs, mm-hmm. I was only had class size of eight. But those class size of eight were a lot of work. You know, and in high school, you know, they've got like hundreds of something kids because of the rotating periods and stuff like that. So it's finding that healthy balance for them. So I think always, you know, I just checked in with some teachers who, you know, I, I'm noticing there's a mix of teachers who will... And I respect it because I would do the same thing, <laughs> which is once June 30th or that last day of school and checking my email to literally two weeks before August because I need to disconnect. And I do respect that. If anything, I'm very much, which I think you probably in the same t- tune with, like I rather work smarter and not harder per se, because I've seen what that did to my parents, our parents' generation, like just the constantly, constantly working, 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 working of all these hours. And then you missed all these things. You know, you, I remember my parents missed all these things. And so I really try to protect my, my off time and personal time. And I see a lot of other people do the same, um, but it varies. Um, so like if, if I was like, I think the hard when I talk about like someone like you that's in the profession, but trying to get a leg up, outside of the walls like you know what i mean and i'm saying like it's like me for work like i try to learn stuff every day to Mm -hmm. make me just better at what i do and it's not better directly with real estate it might be better with something that could could uh complement it or support it could be something totally different that i have interest in but i'm trying always to get better and i find like you know some some people might do that in real estate and i think the better agents would and i think in your you know teachers same thing like the better teachers I think are always going to try to just self teach themselves to get better. I mean, you, you learn, like I said, mm-hmm. they're learning from mentors. They're learning from, you know, different maybe workshops and things they have to go through and, and learn. But I think there's also teachers that find the passion of like, Hey, I really enjoy this and I want to be a better version of myself. So I'm going to listen to read books on it. I'm going to listen yeah. to podcasts. I'm going to, um, I mean, there's podcasts on teaching. There's I videos would say on that a lot of teachers do that. Really? That's good. I would say that a lot in their own way, shape, or form. And you mentioned the word compliment. And mm-hmm. I think that's something others will do. Because if you've been teaching for a long time, 
And especially if you're someone who teaches very well for a long time, you may not necessarily need to change your recipe, I guess you can Mm -hmm. say, but you should be open-minded to find things that will complement what you're doing. Um, And so you'll see a lot of that too. And I think it gets misinterpreted as people not wanting to budge. Mind you, and I, you know, I see that too, you know, like, Hey, you, how's that working for you? (laughs) You've been doing it for a long time and look at all this stuff, but you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see, I've seen folks who just try to, who do well, do well, who've been in the game for a long time, but are still finding different things, not necessarily to change completely what they're doing, but to complement the strong skill sets that they already have. Yeah. I think the evolution to changes, Mm -hmm. because again, if you're a teacher, you're teaching roughly 30 something years. I mean, that's a lot of change just culturally in a world. Like yeah. Technology, just the way yeah. things are done. Like you said, the students nowadays, like when I went to school and when you went to high school, like we didn't have cell phones. Like we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have all the social media that was like, you could leave yeah. school and go home and like AIM was kind of the big deal back then. Yes, AIM. Yeah. AIM, your, your, yeah. your tag pop, names and... Pop the away <laughs> message on, be right, BRB. But I mean, like, but when you look at those, like, that I mean that didn't start happening until maybe my maybe my freshman year and like you might go and talk to people for an hour or something on it and then you realize like it's kind of, I want to go do something different yeah but I found like I find now for a lot of kids there's no escaping it it's it, like the teaching world it, or education world or students going home like that that's just the way the whole world is like we mm-hmm. leave here and I, I have a lot of conversations you know with. Um, you know, agents and staff, it's like you have to, you know, we're not always, it's very hard for us just to shut it off in, yeah. in any field. It's not because mentally I can't shut it off, which I'm like, I struggle with that as, as yeah, I know you are because like, you're like, hey, I've got to, got to go back to school and do some stuff after this. But the, the other idea is that people can always reach you. So it's mm-hmm. like, and it's not, the problem is you have to like set the expectation but usually, like, I try in the evenings not really to talk to people because I'm at home with the kids, my wife. Yeah. Like, I just want to chill. And, but it's, like, common. It's a cultural thing that, like, I know you have your cell phone on you. Like, I'm going to text you. And, like, I'm, but again, it's how you. It's setting boundaries. It's setting, yeah. So, like, if you text me, like, it depends who it is. Like, if someone texts me at night, like, I'll most likely respond to them. If a client's texting me about a work-related thing, I may not text until then. I'll read yeah. it. And then I'll just save it and I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. But it, like for me, that's where I can completely, I try to really just establish, um, you know, when I talk to people and where, like I have to call a few people like on the drive home tonight. Like that's, yeah. but I set that expectation of like, Hey, I got a couple things. I'm going to probably not be able to talk to you for about three, four hours. Therefore I'm going to have to call you when I'm done, yeah. at, you know, around six o'clock. Yeah. And, but I think establishing those boundaries, like, in, you know, the girls here, it's, it's like, if you, have to do something in the afternoon or want to do something in the afternoon or even if you just want to go take a walk go do it like just check out you can't be on you know eight hours a day from start to finish it's, yeah. it's impossible and i think by it and it's like a teacher like if a teacher is because it's tough to have a few appointments in a day and if you're a teacher and you're teaching and, and you're on so yep. say you're on for 45 minutes or yep. whatever the time frame is and say you have three back-to-back periods that's three hours of you on meaning like yeah you just stood up there and talked i'm like well no you're reading the room you're aware of what's going on you're putting out any issues that have to happen you're foreseeing any problems or any good things that might happen you're leading a conversation your brain's working like it's not like you're just sitting there like yeah buttons and i think that what people don't understand is like well they're just like slacking off i'm like 
your mental capacity of your brain can only handle so much when it's that deep into thought focused process. And I think, you know, the ability to just say, I'm taking a step off a little bit makes, you know, just from a mental standpoint, you have to refresh. It's like sleeping, but it's like during the day, like, yeah, if you want to watch a video on YouTube or you want to read a book or you want to go for a walk, like sometimes you just have to, or listen to a podcast, you just have to decompress for a minute. Yeah. It's interesting because setting boundaries, it's so important. And I, my previous position really taught me that. And I'm glad I learned that now. Like forced you to do it? Yeah, because it was just the high stress of everything was a lot, um, just with what I was doing. And the stress is just as high with what I'm doing now. It just looks different. It looks different than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that adjustment, but setting boundaries and is, to me, a game changer and protecting my sp- my off time. Like I'm very well aware that there will be moments where I have to get a phone call and deal with some things when I'm home, sometimes 9, 10 o'clock at night if it's an emergency or something's happening. Like it happened when I, it happened this before the school year ended, I had a couple things that would pop up. And so that's expected in my role, in a leadership role. But I also am really good at protecting my off time. Like if I'm off, I am off. I will, um, within reason, check on a couple things that I know that are lingering. But then part of what makes me being able to protect my off time is having some systems in place to make sure I jot down or have a system in place to catch those things so I can follow up appropriately too. So I'm not drowning because that's the other piece is if you're taking, like if you're a teacher, especially and you take a day off, you're coming back and you're making work a lot harder for you, which makes it people kind of try and tend to not want to, because on the flip side, it just makes it harder for them when they come back, but they needed that time. And so how do you protect your mental headspace, your mental capacity to like be in the moment to take that time? And so I always try to encourage people to find what those boundaries are for you. Like for me, after six o'clock, maybe 6.37, depending on the day, I don't want to hear it. Nope, don't bother me. And I don't have kids. And imagine if I had children. Imagine if I had children with what I'm doing. I definitely could be staying at work till seven, eight o'clock at night. But, um, and I don't want to be doing that anyway. But I know right now I have to front load it because of my where I'm at right now, which hopefully will get better over time. And I'm confident that it will. But by setting those boundaries and protecting my off time, it allows, I always tell it just allows you to just have the headspace to recharge. Like those teachers who leave and don't check their emails to the end. Yes. Like mm-hmm. I get that, you know, because it just, so you can do what you got to do and just refresh. You know, it's so easy to say, come back, recharge, come back, recharge. And that's like a, double-edged sword depending on how you look at that word or that phrase but if you can figure out ways and and a system for you to protect your off time and then have a little system inside that to like jot those things or catch those things so when you go back you're a little bit more on it so you're not feeling so behind and overwhelmed that's even better and it'll allow you to do that and i've gotten i'm i feel like i've gotten better do i sometimes pay the price for it when i go back to work a little bit (laughs) but it gets done (laughs) yeah i think the uh, like you said it's a a double-edged sword but i i find that you can almost you set the expectation with people so Mm -hmm. people are like okay i i you know i respect it and i like for me when i when you take talk about kids like before i started having kids knowing i was going to have kids at some point I did the same thing. I front loaded my time yeah. and I went, 
you know, like very hard when I, you know, could, and I was working hours and hours and hours and like getting home at eight was normal. Like just, that yeah. was just my, and I was yeah. like, I'm cool with it. And like, I would go get up in the morning and I'd grind yeah. all day. But then when you start to have kids, then it, well, two, one, one thing is obviously you wanted to see your kids. And then two, you didn't want to just be the, you know, the dad that wasn't there or leave, you know, yeah. your spouse as the only person at yeah. home after they're watching the kids. So I ended up, that's added a level of trickiness to it. Now that's, now the thing is I've had four years of practice, we talked about practice earlier, like I've had mm-hmm. four years of practicing that. I'm still not perfect at it, but you know, like this morning, I, I typically uh, block my email, like block it, can't get an yeah. email coming in and I'll do it in, you know, pretty large chunks of time, you know, and like during the work day, we're talking four or five hours, just completely off, like don't check my email. And very rarely is it a problem. Like very yeah. rarely. Most most things sent by email are not emergencies. If it's an emergency, you'd get a phone call or a text yeah. or something. But yeah. um, like my day this morning, I I didn't check my email or do like real estate, like communicating with people until after 12 o'clock. Yeah. So my entire mo- morning, I had an, we had an internal meeting and then I worked at my desk for a couple hours, like pen and paper and you know, screen up just to like organize some stuff from there. But I just need like quiet, nobody bothering me. Just let me get in a, like a, like yeah. let's put some music on yeah. and just get into a zone. But for me, if I was constantly checking my email and constantly checking texts or call, like someone called me and pick up the phone and talk to them, I would never get anything done. Yeah. So my thing is like, that's why they make voicemail. That's why they have email. That's why they yeah. have texting. It's like, I will get those messages. And then it's not that I don't want to talk to the person. It's just, I have a level of responsibility. And for me, Knowing when I go home, it's I don't get to do a whole lot. Yeah. So I like at home, it's it's got to be like very time sensitive for me to do it. But what it does, it may I had to put boundaries around my time. So my time is now compartmentalized more, which might make some people mad. But really, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, you're gonna always upset a couple people. Yeah. Like the idea yeah. is, if your intent's good, my intent is, if I can really focus on one thing and not micromanage, but really just put everything into that, get it done, check it off my list, like, yep. a, like a big task. Then I'm like, I feel good. So each day I try to do one big thing a day, like yeah. one, whatever it is. It might take 10 minutes. It might take five hours, but it's like a, one major thing I want to get done that day that I know is projecting me towards my goals, but I know I'm putting that time aside to just do that. Yeah. And the rest of my day, I don't care. Then I can be putting out fires and be talking yeah. to people. I can yeah, be reactive, yeah. but I have to have that, what I call proactive, you know, deep work time in the morning. So that's, that's really like where I protect. And then, you know, um, and I would say that happens three or four days a week. I'm like that where I'd really try to just block that time off. But yeah. I, feel, I feel like you have to, because like you said, things just start to creep in. And I think I read this recently is that, you know, time doesn't happen. You make time. So like you, yes. like if you're not blocking it off to do it, it won't get mm-hmm. done because you're, you're going to let the, you know, the, the shiny object or the thing call yeah. your attention. You're going to pick that phone call up or that text or that email when you really know you should be putting shutting everything off for four hours and working on this really hard assignment or project or yeah. task. And like right now, I do not have I have my boundaries in place still, but like I have there's just so much for me to do to get ready and for the kids to get back, faculty, because you know, I have to switch gears from the nitty gritty getting the stuff done to like, okay, I gotta get 
my which is an area I feel really confident in is that, that motivational piece and and getting people excited to come back and and motivate and how what are those messages and how am I going to get people excited to come back but not only just for that opening time but you know sustain that and what are the things that are practical things that are sustainable given the type of work that we do and how stressful that it is all the time so when you start something that you can see it through you know and so finding those things and so i've i've got a couple of things in place right now and some ideas that i'm putting i'm making some changes in little changes i'm not making too many changes um but strategically putting some things in place to just kind of be mindful of what I can carry over and sustain while still protecting my off time. How many people are in, I'm going to call it like the office of the principal. Like it, is there any, you know, do you have any executive assistants? Do you have any like staff people that are like your right hands? I have, um, I have my principal secretary and then I have two additional secretaries, you know, one that does attendance, one that does the athletic piece athletics is a big beast. Um, yeah, I'm learning. Well, it's a huge beast. Absolutely. And then like, you know, you find those things. And then I have a secretary for my guidance department. And then you know, they kind of blend as needed, depending. You so know. it's kind of like the office of the principal. It's kind of like that's Yeah. That's your, that's- and I'm rebuilding that too. <laughs> I'm rebuilding what my expectations are. I'm rebuilding what I want from each person. I'm also trying to better understand what they do mm-hmm. in order for me to better lead them and, and do things that I think would be more you know, meaningful and productive use of their time and what my expectations are. So I'm rebuilding that too. Um, you know, and that's a fun part for me for some it's not, but it's also just making sure I, I, I embed, make the time for those type of things. You know, you know, I, there's a lot of rebuilding that gotta happen with what I'm doing right now. And so I have to make the time to, to put the time investments in those certain areas. So that way the rebuilding of capacity that I'm looking to do will, work with the intention of making things just a little bit easier to do in the day-to-day operations of things. I, uh, I, I've read this quote the other day and I kind of always come back to it. It's one of those, I, uh, I save stuff like in my email, I have a couple folders yeah. that like, and more, it's just like a re-trigger thought. Like if I read that, it just triggers like a certain mindset or will trigger me to do something or think a certain way. And one of the quotes I get, I got from Tim Ferriss. He's a guy I read a lot from and, and follow a lot. And the quote was, "Be, um, be productive, not busy." And the whole idea behind it basically is like you prioritize your mm-hmm. work. And I, I actually listened to this, this analogy he said. He said, "Imagine if you had like some fairly big rocks, and then some medium-sized rocks, and then you had sand." They said, what would happen is, so if you had a jar, so let's say you have like a big mason jar and you yeah. wanted to fill it, if you, what would happen if you fill in the sand first, then the medium rocks, and then your big rocks? Yeah. Your, your big rocks, or your, you know, your big rocks would never, they, they would they would be, or no, sorry, I lied. You put your, your <laughs> it was the opposite. Like you put your rocks, you put your medium-sized rocks, and then you put the sand. The sand's going to pack on top, and you'll never get the big ones up. Yeah. So you'd have to sift it. So the idea is like you have to start each day. Your focus is to tackle those big that big stone, and then the medium stones and the sand. Mm-hmm. The sand is all the busy work that yeah. just clouds everybody's day because it's it's more immediate. It's more perceived immediate. It's not really immediate. It's, it's more reactionary. Pers- re- exactly. It's yeah. Reactionary. So your big rocks could be something. 
like today I knocked off a big rock for me this morning. Well, what did it do? It told, it caused me not to look at the medium sized pebbles and the sand. Yeah. So sort of saying if you're dumping in that stuff first, yeah, you're never going to allow the other parts to get down there because it's too packed in with all the little junk day to day. So I think the idea of being uh, productive, not busy is like, no, no, you're going to work. You're going to spend the same amount of hours working, yeah. but it's on something that's going to basically make time in the future for you or be something yes. that's going to have a positive, um, uh, you know, a bigger impact than like you doing some menial tasks that you're like, well, I'm going to have to do that next week or I have to do it again or something that really didn't need to be done. Yeah. But I'm only doing it because I really don't want to tackle that big project because it's yeah. either hard or scary or, or maybe it has to deal with a person conversation but it's like if you do those first those always feel better to get out of the way yeah it's just we build it up like i don't want to yeah. do it so i'm just gonna and keep... i was so guilty of that before well i think i think I that's was human so nature guilty of that before yeah and like those was those that was one of those things i needed to learn and get better at which is those uncomfortable things mm-hmm. and those uncomfortable conversations and how do you you know and not push those things away and now i can catch myself like uh, don't don't fall into that and so because i can catch myself um that's an example of a skill that i'm like okay i'm ready to do what i'm doing now mm-hmm. you know if i did not get that figured out i would not be successful in what i'm doing now if i didn't figure that out before so um going like what's a let's take in in season like in school year like again what's a day-to-day kind of a day in the life of Danny. Like, what would that look like? What's I'm gonna say? What's a what's a day that you would structure for? Obviously, I know it's it's subject to change, but like, mm-hmm. what would be a typical day? Like, hey, this is my plan Monday through Friday, or this is like a weekly plan because I'm sure you know some days are a little bit different. And you structure things in different days, yeah. but what would be a normal day? Like, like this is what I do in the morning, afternoon, evening. I leave. Uh, a normal day and it's so funny because that's what I'm trying to reestablish now like I'm trying to figure out what that looks like for me and what I'm doing right now but in the mornings I'm very much you know I try to have energy in the morning say hello to everyone in the office um, and I'm in the hallways is this like 8 in the morning? I'm usually yeah so everyone gets um, there before 8 you know, classes start at eight, but I'm usually there at like six forty-five. Okay. Seven. Sometimes earlier, depending on what's going on. But I'm trying to do better at just getting there around seven, seven fifteen. No later than seven thirty, and that's late for me. Um, but the my morning is just being out in the hallways. I do a lap. I do my laps around the building in the morning for that first period if I'm able to. And I'll just walk around, say hi to kids, poke my head in rooms and say hello. And then I sit at my desk. I try to bang out some emails or things that I have to get done. And then what I'm in process right now, because I'm transitioning from a co-principal to now just being the main principal, you know, embedding my time because doing my, you know, instructional evaluations, like poking in the classroom and seeing how things are and seeing how things are you know, looking in the classroom and then giving that feedback to the teacher. And so embedding that throughout the day, I have a lot of committees. So there's a lot of committees and a lot of work. Um, And there's a lot of prep work to get prepped for those. And since I run a lot of those committees, I have learned in the past, like to be intentional and, and be prepared. So that way your agenda for these meetings are productive. And I'm trying to get creative to do some different type of team building things. Um, 
But as you can hear in my response, I don't have a solid answer for that yet because I'm still trying to figure out what that day to day looks like or what I want it to look like, because every day is different. It could be because something can happen with the kiddo and that can take me the whole day. So if something happens with a kiddo or a situation happens and social media or this or that, that could potentially stop everything that I have planned and take the whole day to get it resolved or figured out depending on what's going on. And it just, so it does depend on the day, but usually the mornings doing my laps and and getting some walkthroughs in and then just prepping for some meetings. And I like to be in the classrooms. I hate to be in the office all the time. And those days where I'm in the office all the time, I'm like, get out, get out, get out. And just, so I have to force myself to be out um, so that I I don't want to be that type that's always in the office. Like that's not the energy that I want to have. And then, so most of the day you find that you would be in committees or in meetings or directly with people Mm -hmm. one-on-one. Yeah. Or just get more group settings. And with students, you know, like I'll try to connect with students and, and, you know, some students I have to work a lot with because I'm trying to establish that relationship and give them the resources that they need to make them successful and however that looks for that, that kiddo. Um, but it is meeting heavy and you could easily catch yourself to just be in the office and only dealing with people when you have to deal with discipline type of things and that's not what i want to do you yeah. know like there was a really cool moment that happened last year and it was like the i had such a full circle moment this was last may and to everyone else they probably didn't understand why i like had to like stop and like take it in but it's like that grateful and appreciative perspective that i have they do this thing at Plattsburgh, which, mind you, I come from special education. So I come from the kids that I've always wanted to have exposure and access to feel included and have opportunities like their regular ed peers. And so they have this thing called the mini Olympics. It's kind of like a pep rally kind of day. And it had been a tough year. You know, folks were kind of nervous about doing it to see if the kids would be OK. And I was like, I no, I think they're going to be good. You know, let's see. And um, it was a mini Olympics for grades. So it was almost like a pep rally thing. So ninth grade, 10th, 11th, and 12th, they each wore their grade colors. Mm-hmm. And it was a baseball, a basketball game. It was a modified basketball game. So we had students from our modified team. And then we had a mix of students, athletes from the basketball team, and even just regular students who just work well with these kids. And so they played this basketball game. And to see the regular like typical peers know what the intention is of this game and support the modified players to play was beautiful they played it in a way where they knew the highlight was not on them it was on those kids Mm -hmm. and so they played the the basketball game in that way and then there's this one student that i quickly realized is like the school favorite (laughs) and he got to the end and he shot this basket and he was making three pointers like nobody's business. And I was like, you know, and then to see all the kids reaction when it happened. And then right when the buzz, it was just that classic, like on TV, like what you would see. Yeah, yeah. He shoots it, <laughs> he makes it, the buzzer go and he's jumping up and down. And then I see around me the kiddos who are like freaking out 
screaming his name, like all this stuff. And then a bunch of them come to the middle and like huddle around him. Like it was beautiful for me to see that. It was beautiful. It was like the highlight of the school year for me. And for me, it was full circle because this is what I've always wanted. And not only am I going to be leading this this energy that I just saw and being a part of this community to do that, but it was innate. It was like not even a question. The kids didn't even question it. It just, it was what it was. And it was just a way of being for them. And it showed to me the definition of being inclusive of providing opportunity and diversity at its finest and highlighting all the good things that the school community has. And I recorded it. And I'm so glad that I did. And I have that video saved. And I plan to use that video uh, come September to just kind of, you know, like, that's the why. That's why we're here. Our kids do that. And the reason why the kids did that is because of the work that you all did to create the space for them to do that. So when those days get really hard, Hold on to a moment like that and let that remind you why we're still why we're doing this work. Why on those tough days, why we're still here, why you're needed. Even when sometimes the, you know, the world around us doesn't make you feel like that. But that moment that I saw with those kids and that, like you have to have been there to see it. You have to see the video from me from what I explained. But it was beautiful. And for me, as a special education teacher, working with the population for many, many years, that to me was like what I've always wanted to see. I always aspired to have the students I was working with at the time to have that type of moment. And so to see that and to have that and to be a part of that is the biggest blessing. It's it's so good. And I'm I think I'm like I'm trying to be that that vessel to remind people of that. So that way we can, you know, hold on to that on those tough days to push us through. Well, I think it's, it's, uh, did you play sports growing up? Yeah, a little bit. So I always look at like when you have a, a coach comes in and they're, um, you know, especially at like a, a, a higher level, I'd say like, you know, ju- you know, junior high, high school, uh, college, and certainly the pros is you get someone that comes in and they're able to lead a team and it typically takes a little bit of time because you gotta, you know, the, the athletes have to buy in and get the respect yeah. of the coach or earn, or not earn the, re- the coach has to earn the respect of the players of like, okay, we can follow this person. And then as the, you know, the years go on and on, you typically start to really build a very cohesive culture around the team yeah. that seems to draw in the right, not the best players, but the right players for the team. Yeah. And I think that you going in, um, even you know, just still being very new to the whole process, like you're getting that, okay, let's just get some people that are going to start to buy into this, that are going to start to align with this, that are going to start to, you know, chant the same motto or same, you know, mantras we're, we're you know, evolving and that over time you know year two three goes into year five six goes into year 11 12 you know for you and then you're like okay people are now coming in as ninth grade and they're seeing you know mr valenzuela and everybody else going from ninth 10th 11 12th and you're, you're getting that four years and then the other thing you get is the kids of 9 10 11 12 have the younger siblings that are in seventh eighth ninth or fifth Mm -hmm. sixth seventh and they're maybe seeing some positive influences from that student who's then going home and then leading by example to the younger kids. So when they already get up and this happens all the time, like in, you know, I'd say like youth sports is like this kid that's maybe in fifth or sixth grade, who's now maybe stepping into Stafford and their older sibling is going into PHS that when that student is graduating, now they're coming up as a freshman and they're kind of leading and they're like, okay, 
I see how the seniors carry themselves, and maybe my brother or sister's a senior. Yeah. Now I'm going to try to emulate that because I want to. They're my role model. Now you start growing, and now they're influencing the younger kids of like, you know, this is the culture. This is how we act. Yeah. This is how we respect. And then it, it takes some time, but once you get everybody going, that's why you can see like generational or you know whether it's dynasties of sports that last over years and years is, is not that one year you had all the best players it's like mm-hmm. over you might have had a really good team but over time you start to kind of get those players and those teammates and everything that just kind of gel and fit fit the fit what yeah. you're trying to build and uh, i think that that's the fun part is seeing like what can you do over time by staying true to that why and staying true to not only staying true to the why or staying true to your vision, but you're able to um, speak that vision to other people yeah. and you're really able to, you know, put it out there and say, this is what, this is why, what I'm doing. I want you to be a part of this. This is why I think it's going to be great. You get people excited, especially starting at, you know, the other admin and staff and then yeah. trickle down to the teachers and trickle down to the students. And, you know, if you like, I just think everything you're doing is like the right scenario and it will happen. It's just, I'm it's planting a, it's seeds. A, I like yeah. to think of it. I'm planting seeds right now. Yeah, you're you're and the farmer. You're like yeah. <laughs> gardening. You're you're making things happen. I'm the city farmer. <laughs> Actually, I, I always uh, every once in a while, like I know two people. One maple sugar farm. Local, yeah. Not I mean it's a hobby, but does in the city. And then another friend of mine has like these massive gardens in the middle of the city, which is so funny mm, to see because it's like yeah. you, typically just there's not a whole lot when it comes to that kind of thing in the yeah. city. Uh, but then these like people that just have these kind of ornate things that are right in the city and like that's actually really cool to see in yeah. the city like, you know it kind of tr- makes your head turn a little bit like wait do I see maple sugar buckets on trees like that I like that yeah <laughs> especially like for someone like me that grew up like out yeah. in the sticks you know next to sh- syrup farms so well and like what I that what I just shared like you don't see that everywhere so for that to just innately be here and be where it's at like and, and we need and I need to publicize that more. Like I need mm-hmm. to show that more. I need parents to see that type of experience that happens, so that way they can, you know, how you live through your friends or you live through that they can have that too to just really have a more positive narrative within the school. Do you remember uh, over COVID? Um, I want to say uh, Jim Halpert, uh, John Krasinski from The Office. You know John. Yeah. Plays Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he remember his uh thing he used to, was doing over COVID called Some Good News? Yes. Yeah. So and he only did like ten episodes, but it was like during the height of the pandemic when yeah. everybody was home. And the idea was like we're hearing all these bad things, but like this is like some good news. And it was yeah. like what you don't see on the news typically, you always see yeah. like doom and gloom because yeah, that's what yeah. sells the headlines, it sells stuff. But it's almost like could you do something at PHS maybe not some good news, but something along that, yeah. you know, that it's like, okay, maybe each week, like, hey, teachers, look out for some type of some good news or something cool that you saw that we can highlight that we can then spread out because then I think it becomes – you start to reward that behavior, you know, yeah. and then a kid, maybe the, you know, the star basketball player that was helping, you know, like you said, the modified team or helping someone that was not normally in that situation really experience what they get to experience in a big game – like that was going above and beyond anything yeah. he ever had to do, and that's something you highlight. But then it's, this could just this could just be someone helping someone dropping books on you know senior helping a, a freshman pick up their stuff that they might mm-hmm. have tripped and fallen. And usually some some older kids don't want to do that; they'll just step over and keep walking. But if they took the time to do it and help this kid out, like maybe that's something someone catches, you know. And I think that 
that could even be a good catalyst to reward behavior. But you're pointing out like, hey, this is the good stuff that we're doing. That. Oh my God, 1000%. Because as you know, like bad news travels quick and yeah. bad news gets publicized. Like yep. very rarely, and this is just out in the community, you always hear of, oh, did you hear like this bad thing happened at this school or with this kid or with this parent or this teacher or something like that because it's like a gossipy thing. And you're like, yeah. okay, well, like and usually you hear that stuff and like, I don't really care. And like, yeah. they're probably, there's probably two sides to the story. And that, and that person probably feels like crap because now everybody thinks this, but and it's like, but if you were to highlight the good stuff, like that's where I think more have to be. It's like, this is actually the cool things that are happening. Like, even though you'll hear the one bad thing for every thousand good things that happen throughout yeah, the day. And you have to work harder. Unfortunately, it is what it is. You have to work harder to catch those good things and you have to work harder to put that in the forefront. So the other stuff doesn't drown it out because that's very, very typical you know the other stuff is really loud the negative stuff is really loud and can like sink you know soak up the sound in the room but if you just try to flip that you have to work harder to do it to try to overcompensate it and that's why i'm excited for this platform that phs is embracing it's called parent square um you know many schools have it now and it's just like i look at it almost like a a very structured social media page for the district and parents you know, so like I'm a pro because I'm, you know, very comfortable with social media and I, I like using social media. Um, I'm kind of approaching it in that way. So like that video that I was stressed about earlier, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the mindset. Like it's just to me, this is just Plattsburgh's very personal own like Facebook page, but not Facebook. It's it's more controlled and it's this and it's specific to X, Y and Z and you know, like I wish I had that platform when this happened, when that incident happened in May. But I don't know. Maybe I'll share it later on. I don't know. It's just one of those. Like I just think everybody needs to see it. Well, I think it's like a timeless thing too. You know, you something yeah. like cut lightning in a bottle. Like let's now, you know, release it out yes. often and let people see yep. it. And I think, you know, I, th I think two things. You get the ones you, you spread the positive, but then if you have a platform, if something negative happens, you can be quick to respond and be yeah. not not quick to respond, but quick to respond correctly. Not like a, not like a shoot from the hip, but like yeah, but not like hey, we're not going to brush this under the carpet or, or uh, you know shy away from it. Like hey, this is the situation. This is what happened. Just being tr very transparent. Yeah, that's what we're doing to fix it. And I think you know, I think most people, as long as someone's willing to take accountability and like have a plan for it and give like the facts, most people are like, okay, like not that big of a deal. I think it's, um, you know, that's tough because obviously you don't like confrontation, especially yeah. in a position. There's stuff that you're as a leader, you have to deal with. That's not of your own doing. And it's stuff that you're like, I would have avoided it, but I'm now responsible for many people, which then becomes part of the, you know, part of the role that you, you, you embrace that, um, you know, those responsibilities that, aren't fun like that's the most fun is not putting out the fires and the discipline like the fun no. for you is going to the classroom and, and like yeah. embracing the kids and having the kids you know grow and, and and really have those moments and um like i said if you could really just say listen couldn't that be my entire day like the world would be a better place yeah, but right? it's unrealistic it's like no no Dan, you gotta, we're testing you we gotta do all this extra stuff yeah that makes you like oh why do i do this but it like i said though you gotta focus on the good days and i think that you know, we talked about mindset, but I think your mindset from whatever, this is three or four different podcasts that we've had, like you're the same mindset all the way through. Like you haven't, I mean, internally, like I think you've grown, but you're not speaking a different, really a different language from what you did a few years ago. It's like, Hey, I got a big plan. This is what I think I can do. I know I can have an impact. Yeah. I know this is my intention. This is my focus. This is my why. And like that, I don't think has really, it's probably evolved. It's been polished, but it's, yeah. it's not far from the, the, 
the rhetoric you were speaking three years ago or four Thank years you. ago. It was like it was very similar, and I think that that you know as you get a different job, as you become have more responsibility, I think staying true to those those uh, like. You know, like those those uh, truths or those, those principles. Values. Yeah, principles. Yeah. yeah, Mr. V's principle lens. Like, yeah. 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 Are you still doing that? <laughs> I need to. I listened to a couple and then, you, I, and then I'm like, he's not posting I them. took a pause just because there was just a lot happening with the transition and getting into the job. And like, I just <laughs> also just needed to live so I can think of content and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have been slacking. Like, I really do need to. I had someone reach out to me a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know this person, but they were like, hey, I listened to your podcast. They were really helpful. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get back into it. Yeah. You know, I was about to start season two, and then I forget what. Oh, I transitioned. I just transitioned to Plattsburgh. So I, that was my last episode was, like, up talking about when you know when you need to go with yeah. something next. And then just I hit the ground running. And then I have to give myself the grace. Like I started mid-December. I've had a lot to learn. But I do. I do need to get back on my podcast because I do feel like I had some, you know, meaningful things. And I have more stories to tell now. And you have different levels of experience. Yes. I I think it's good. I think if you're going to try to focus on even making it like a fun little thing, like very off the cuff. Like I think you just... I got the setup. I got new mics. I got this. I got that at but, the house. But, but like, I just, know, like when you showed up, I was like, you good? Like you got a drink? You got to go to yeah. the bathroom? Like everything good? Let's just hit play. And just roll. So I mean, the prep, Jen goes, do you want me to look up something on Danny? I'm like, I just need to know what his title is, but we're good. I'll yeah. And I said, I'll just ask him. So, but, but it, yeah, it's that idea of like, hey, just hit the mic like on a Friday. Just like, you know, kind of loose yeah. before the end of the day. Just and that's how it started. Fun. I remember when I decided to start, I started recording on my phone. Yeah. It's just because I had used that. But, um that's what it was like i was just finding these like things that would just come to mind and i just need to get it out and then and i just need to go back to that um but i do plan to record i just need to yeah they were good and i don't and like i said there's a ton of business podcasts there's a ton of like just comic podcasts and self-help and all this self-help but like i don't know how many like teacher ones there are like and i think that it's one where and there's there's a lot of education related ones and i there's some really popular podcasts that are out but i'm really when i started it it's just like flipping your lens that's why i called it mr v's principal lens so how can you take something flip the lens on it because that's my way of like get your head out of it flip your lens so you can swing whatever that situation is to your favor that's in the best interest and in my case it's in the best interest for students and for my teachers yeah i i love it i think i think that that's uh that's well thank you for you gotta, the push you gotta yeah. bring that back um <laughs> well danny just because of time yeah and because i want to make sure that you're not going to bed at like midnight tonight yeah. to get all your stuff done <laughs> uh we'll, we'll, we'll cut it off there but as always i like it's great having you come on it's always good to catch up and, yeah it's uh, been fun and and i know to try to catch you, I don't know. It's busy now. Maybe it's better during the season because, like I said, sometimes we try to catch you on like off yeah. times a little bit. But it's good. Usually, usually you're good about reaching out and being like, "I'm ready." I'm yeah, like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love it. So, um, but yeah, Danny. Um, if anybody doesn't follow, again, uh, we call it the Plattsburgh Plat- City School District, but this is the high school. Um, but like I said, I think putting out some good stuff about the school, some positive stuff, and I think that yeah. Plattsburgh, um, if whether people admit it or not, Plattsburgh is obviously the bi- the biggest city, town, whatever in the area. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is a lot of influence that comes out of the city. And I think that the city mm-hmm. is kind of one of those, you know, if you had a 
there's like eight school districts in the area. Like if you really had to take like it's the only city district, you know. Yeah. And I think that even having a little bit of um, influence on some of the other ones, I think that I think that the city would have a great impact on other school districts too. Just be just by having a positive force and um, just just. I think having a good voice for others yeah. in that community. So no, um, I'm excited. Yeah. So I think you'll, you'll crush it. You'll I'm be good. Excited. Thank you. And, and you'll see it in the photo, but he comes walking in looking I like know. a hornet. He's, I mean, he's <laughs> decked out in school colors. If you did not know what school he was at before you saw him, you do now. So, um, but as always, Danny, thank you so much. That's episode 201 of the Galen Trombley show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.